Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. My name is Dave Hanrady. There will be no encore. Welcome to episode 129 of the No Encore Music Podcast, the weekly music show that's good to go to Electric Picnic this year. That's right. I hear a podcast tent on Sunday, the time that we still think is a quarter to two in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things are subject to change, hence I'm being apprehensive. What I'm saying is keep an eye on my Twitter account at Hanrady Dave and uh, come to the show on the Sunday. You can always look at the show's Twitter as <laughs> yeah, well, which I'm sure I was thinking update. as well. It updates on occasion, yeah. And so... <laughs> The, uh, there's another show as well, of course. We are headlining the Workman's Club as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. Sunday, October the 14th, you can get your tickets now for €13 Euro inclusive of booking fee on Ticketmaster. And I would encourage you to do that so that we know that there are some people actually coming to the show. Yeah. Hello, I'm the glass half empty kind of guy over here. You know me. This week on the show, I am joined by Cullum O'Regan. Hello. Craig glass half full kind of guy. Craig Fitzpatrick. I'm back, guys. Hey, man. What's up? So you're back today. And I, not, you I appreciate be- you not doing the show last week because it just couldn't go on without me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's true. And you're not, you're not coming to Electric Picnic. <laughs> no, I can't, unfortunately. I would love to be there. But, um... Don't no. sound like it. The college... Oh, yeah, I'd rather be doing my stupid, stupid dissertation. Why the hell did I go Hope back to college? there are no uh, <laughs> lecturers listening to this yeah. podcast. You'll be marking Craig's dissertation. Really, really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, get my methodology down. 
So well, Instruction Infuse, fun, fun, fun. We had your Mission Possible Fallout review last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, which I think made the show, if anything. At um, the risk of, like, basically sounding like this podcast is sponsored by Tom Cruise, I, <laughs> I, I must say... And he's more than welcome I to try and a few he says, jumping like, up and down on his chair. <laughs> uh, with a few days off, I uh, went to see it again uh, at my leisure. Okay. And I must say, guys, uh, I agree with Craig, it's not getting tired. No, I need to see it again It as might well. be the best one. It's fantastic. I think it is the it's best fucking one. Brilliant. The more I think I about it, it, I'll need to rewatch. Comes still very much like. I don't this. think I've seen any of them. Waiting for it to come to DVD. To be honest, <laughs> digital video disc. I, I need a commentary, basically. Like <laughs> you don't, you don't understand. What's should going we on. record one? Um, yeah, we definitely. No encore does. It's again, it, like it's not far off it right now. To be honest, with the <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Comes clearly getting frustrated. No encore I can't quite do it. This is what happens when I go to the cinema more than once in a year. I get carried away and we talk about film on the music bigger podcast. news than the pope is it maybe i don't know i don't know are we excited about the pope no because i'm working all weekend and also you know he's the head of a fucking horrific organization i so. was glad to hear today that dohi's playing it and <laughs> on the soundtrack <laughs> how can we even possibly explain this Cullum, can you can you try uh dohi had a prank played on him <laughs> got fucking rinsed where it was brendan wasn't it it was brendan canty brendan canty yeah uh photoshopped a poster for a commemorative cd for the pope's visit masterfully by the way yeah perfectly done uh claiming that dohi was part of it <laughs> and uh then obviously alerted dohi to it at which point dohi started freaking it ended with uh like solicitors being contacted it got very serious he went after the label as well yeah. and was like what are you doing using my image i'm not on this cd this is ridiculous and then he realised yeah. about an hour later it's such a fantastic photoshop it genuinely is great. go to Dolly's Twitter account because in in the sake of good sportsmanship he's <laughs> left it up an Irish welcome a new 2 CD set Jack L Red Hurley Dolly <laughs> it should be said, all the rest of it's real Jack oh, no, L is on real yeah, 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 you can, yeah. yeah you can pick it up in I don't know it's so Celtic note it's so well done like because like, like the, the poster is at an angle and I'm like how do they manage to like and also it's like an old photograph of him as you know, because, because it's Dahi and he's such a lovely chap, you kind of feel like they might have chanced her arm and be like, well, he's a wholesome lad and, that we should and, stick and, on to and, give him some edge. And, and like, he does that, like, Ave Maria cover yeah, that is just banging. It's, banging, like, yeah, yeah, it's quite fair. on brand for Dahi. It, it has a question mark. It's it's Ave Maria? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to slag off Dahi about this in person, good news, listener, because yeah. he'll be co-hosting in Craig's Shoes at Electric Picnic. It's true. And they're stylish shoes as well to fill. So Sunday, I hope he, he's up to uh, here podcast tent, come see us. Um, I moonlighted on another show this week, guys. I hope you can Boo. forgive me. Friend of the show, John Barker, Tell the Irish. Yeah. Some people have said FM. the best host we ever had on us, actually. Uh, he's Some up there. people have said. Man, many, <laughs> many people tell many me. People he's up there. He had a live broadcast on Sunday, and I was part of it. It was really, really good. I was at the music panel with Nadina Regan. Uh, there was great live music from Della Rentos and Saint Sister, and Saint Sister were so damn good that I've invited them onto the show on this episode Hooray! in just a few minutes' time. But first, uh, I want to thank John for giving me the platform to speak about that piece I, t- I spoke about in advance last week on the show. Mm. Uh, music and mental health the struggle to connect the strange beast that lies within which is on Joe the reason I'm kind of bringing it up again now a week later is because it went out at the weekend and I just want to say a huge thank you a sincere legitimate thank you to everybody who read it and who shared it and who reached out about it with their own kind of take on it and their own take on their own lives and everything in between the reaction was genuinely overwhelming and I'm very very grateful for it I had said in advance to a few people that I was a bit apprehensive and a bit nervous about putting it out there because I mean it's not that I was like oh I want this to fucking like get a massive reaction and I mm. need, I need to see all those retweets and likes 
at the same time, you put a lot of work into something, uh, something that you feel is personally very important. You don't want it to sink without a trace, and it absolutely didn't. Uh, the reaction was quite overwhelming, as I say. An awful lot of people got involved, from journalists to musicians to j- just about everyone, really. And again, thank you. Uh, I've said the words. I've said the words thank you like so often in WhatsApp chats and in person over the past kind of six, seven days, uh, to the point where I now feel like a kind of a awkward politician. I don't know how else to react other than to say a genuine thank you. I put a lot of work into it, and I'm really, really glad that it connected with a lot of people. So thanks. It's also been really nice to write, you know, kind of some fairly straightforward gig announcements since then and kind of just, you know, clear my head, uh, which Gullum helped with by bringing me to professional wrestling last weekend. Of course, yeah. And a shout out to whoever in Drogheda or between Dublin and Drogheda is currently in possession of a signed photo of Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, half new Japanese man on a laminated 8x10 it was left on a bus we believe and um, yeah someone now took it and presumably has no idea what they have why was it laminated because it's a glossy it's like a headshot that they sell Uh, brother Joshua Hughes friend of the show and occasional guest paid 20 quid for it and Jesus. then left it behind on the bus. Uh, speaking of that half-naked man, Tomohiro Ishii, and didn't really get across how kind of terrifying he is in person, mm. I know this because at one stage I went to the bathroom, which was backstage, if backstage is the right area for this sports club we were in, yeah. and I went to go wash my hands, and staring at me in disbelief and disdain in the mirror was Tomohiro Ishii in his full gear before he was about to go for his match. Yeah, it's weird. I bumped into him in the bathroom as well, so I think he just has a bladder problem. <laughs> That's the conclusion I've come to from the night. Was he told that was his dressing room then? <laughs> Apparently, and he was just chilling. No? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was a, a, a some some fan noticed him there, and when he went to leave, he held the door from him and said, "Go ahead, Ishii son." And I was like, "You're oh. the you're the whitest guy I've ever seen. What are you doing? What a grim, grim room." He might have a bladder problem, but he doesn't have a wrestling problem. He's quite good at it. I enjoyed the match <laughs> between him and Juice Robinson. It was quite good, but uh, I must say, Colin, I'm not terribly impressed by OTT's new venue. Uh, no, it's a little it's bit not great. Yeah, I hope it's not permanent. Let's hope not. Well, what can you do? What can you do? So, like I say, flashing back to Total the Irish the other day, uh, two musical acts, one of whom stole the show. Sorry, Kieran from Delorentos. We used to be friends, but I must be honest, I think Saint Sister absolutely blew everyone away. And let's have a quick listen to what they sound like, and then through the magic of editing, when we return, they'll be with us for a chat. Baby, I know you. We Yeah, so we've been joined in an encore by Saint Sister. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello. It's our customary round of applause. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming in. I know you guys are crazy busy at the moment. Yeah. So, oh, thank you for having us. Uh, final stages of the album. I mean, it's it's done. It's ready to come out. But the the release date's in. It's coming out Friday, October the fifth. Mm-hmm. And how at this point are you feeling about it? Do you wish it was then now, or would you rather more time? Oh, we're ready to get it out. I think. Um, yeah, we've been working on it for a little while now. It feels like. 
a long time for us so we're just really excited to get it out there and move on from that piece of work I think yeah ready to move on because I mean I saw you guys saying that like some of these songs are contemporaneous with Madrid I mean like that they've been knocking around for that long and that like you've always had the first album as a focus right yeah well like since we made the first EP kind of since then it was like oh the next thing will be the album but then like life doesn't really work that way and you know like we just it was just a constant kind of process of figuring it out so I guess since that point we've been writing towards it um, and only really maybe in the last year have we kind of gone we actually need to get this thing together and like put the plans in place and you know actually get into the studio and, and finish the thing off so it's been a it's been a sort of meandering journey to this point. And I mean, like that time period, does that mean that things probably sound differently than they did sort of two years ago when they first started up as ideas, for instance? Yeah, yeah a bit. And I think that was the challenge for us. We had a few songs that we felt like that they couldn't be left off um, the album because they were such a big part of our journey and that they made sense to keep them with us but then we were trying to figure out how to keep these songs that were like the first songs that we wrote together first songs that we recorded and produced together how to make them fit with like the ones we just wrote together Mm. so I think after kind of a long process of um, debating and kind of figuring things out I think it does work as a piece and I think that's the struggle of the first album It, it took us like three years or four years to get to this point and it's kind of just like a collection of all the things that we've done up to this point as opposed to I think our next album will be like that's the next thing we'll be doing and it will be so maybe starting a new chapter yeah, yeah you've got the sophomore thing. slump to look forward to <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't wait <laughs> does like the notion of an album still have like great import and weight for you guys yeah even though Drake has kind of revolutionised the playlist <laughs> and it's just like throws songs on Spotify, is it still like as an artist we really want this collection to kind of show like set out our stall it it does feel like um, everything like because we ha- we have kind of felt ourselves building to this point. So in that sense, it does feel like it was an important kind of milestone because it sort of felt like we and it's changing so much and you know um, kind of who knows what way it's going to go. But for us, it definitely felt like oh we have to like if we want to like cement this thing, we need to have yeah. an album. You know, we had a lot of singles and things coming out in dribbles and drabs, but it just kind of made sense to us. We wanted to be like here. There's an album and there's a tour that goes with it and it just felt a bit more structured that way. And yeah. just to have it as one piece kind of made sense. I think we really enjoyed kind of going into like segues and trying to really make it a piece um, in mm. itself, which it was the first time that we'd done something like that because everything had been singles and EPs up to that point. So it was a different challenge again to us, and, but mm. it was really fun to experiment in that way. Gives you a bit more freedom as well, like because you're working right. on something a bit longer yeah, as opposed to just like only ever looking a month or so ahead. Mm. It was kind of nice to do something. But then the longer you sit on some things, like we ended up chasing our tails and going back to re-recording older things and all the rest. But yeah, <laughs> I have to ask, is that the first time you've been compared to Drake? Because I feel like <laughs> yeah, that is last. First. Yeah. <laughs> Drake tries to crowbar it into most interviews. So. Yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, I'm, I've said before, I'm very guilty of the whole playlist culture thing myself. Yeah. And like you try and make time for albums. And I guess with that regard, it has to kind of make an impact. But so far, I mean, the momentum is definitely there. I mean, like your recent single, Causing Trouble, like the video alone has been just mm. like, it's one of those things I've seen a lot of comments. And I know YouTube comments are always never, ever, ever read them. Never read yes. the love line comments <laughs> on anything because they're just the worst thing in the world. Well, unless you want to be asked to come to Brazil. Yeah, come to Brazil. Has anybody said that to you yet? Because I assume that that's coming. Like, come to Brazil, come to Venezuela. Come um, to we've had a few places, like Canada or something like that. But yeah. not, no Brazil yet. 
Here's yeah. hoping. So. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah. but, I've, but I've seen people kind of say stuff like, oh, this auto played on my feed. And like, you know, I instinctively reach for the skip ad thing. But in the first kind of five, ten seconds or whatever it plays for, a lot of people have kind of expressed that, oh, no, no, it actually grabbed me and it, it managed to hold me. So I think it's a, a very, very interesting marriage of visuals and music. But I mean, like, there's a lot of visuals in your music. I mean, like, I remember the like the lads uh, you know from a few years ago when I went to, I think it was Hardworking Class Heroes, probably 2015. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember yeah. like going into the Workman's and it was, I think it was mid set because with that festival, you kind of to and fro. Yeah, you're kind of running. And I remember just stopping and being like, oh, wow, like, I'd never, I didn't know who you were. I'd never heard of you before. And I was instantly just kind of like stock still. Like, it was, it was cool. genuinely grounded me. So, I mean, having built up that kind of reputation and like, you know, at festivals and that kind of stuff, like, is it difficult to kind of write with an audience in mind now? It's funny thinking that was like one of our first gigs and we were like completely breaking. <laughs> like, yes, it was the first time we'd pro- put an actual set together and mm. been like, so yeah, it's just sorry. And you saw like Dave's face in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're suddenly at ease. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I I don't know. I forget what the question was. I, well, <laughs> I remember. Um, I think I don't think you ever try and write with an audience yeah. um, in mind, and that? I think that's something that um, yeah. we have. Yeah, we're we're actually starting to think about the second album mm. already, and we've been writing a few songs, and we've just been talking about how nice it is that that's come already before the first album's out there because yeah. we've already kind of got ideas for it and we're not reacting to whether things went really badly or well yeah. or what songs yeah. hit hit the mark and which ones weren't getting Didn't, a lot of yeah. attention so I think you're, you're just more free if you're not worrying about that and also pe- I think people can tell if you're writing to, do, um, a certain to do a certain thing it's not authentic and it's um, you do feel that lack, lack of integrity I think um whenever you can hear that if an artist is doing that and I think that's really important as well, from a live perspective some like our music's quite quiet and it can be quite soft and it's it's quite slow and sad sometimes um so especially sometimes at a festival if you kind of let that get to you like I've had a lot of times on stage where I'm kind of thinking oh these people want to hear something else and then it kind of like drives your head a bit mad and you're not going to play well or mm-hmm. it's not really helping anything because if they want to hear something else they can just go to a different tent like mm. it's not your job to like try and make a different song on stage while you're there you know dance tune it, yeah it's, it's sad folk song that's it yeah but it's it, that can sort of feed in if you if you overthink that you'll kind of think like people don't want to hear this yeah of course so it's really hard like i'm obviously do, do have those thoughts because i'm talking about that now but um yeah so it's nice to try and get started with the second one mm. early and so it doesn't take us as long hopefully as well yeah there is a really interesting kind of organic thing that can kind of dovetail with the music. And I, I noticed it like at the Tell the Irish thing, didn't I? And I've noticed it at other gigs where like due to, as you say, like, you know, the kind of like soft or kind of like not crazy stadium feeling sound that you have. I mean, like yeah. you notice explicitly like when you kind of like hit a pedal. Yeah. And you, like, but the weird thing is like that rhythmic click kind of it fits in. It doesn't feel like, oh, that's in the way. Like, like, like did that ever get into your head or were you just thinking like, oh no, this actually manages to be like an extra kind of texture that we didn't plan for? Definitely, because you do hear, especially in, in the, a radio setup or something like that where it is quite quite stripped back. You might maybe mightn't hear it in a stage, but we've played in really quiet rooms where it's re- really small, quiet rooms and you do hear like mm. sticks on pads and like, you know, you hear things that maybe you wouldn't have intended for. But um, yeah, it all, we it's, there's something nice about things being not, super clean as well yeah, and absolutely. sounding a wee bit more honest or authentic or and, and people kind of know get more of an insight into what you're doing especially Gemma does a lot with loops and stuff and I think if people can see what you're doing and hear the loop pedal then they know it's not just a track on in the mm. background mm. or something like that so I think 
sometimes little noises like that, which you wouldn't want on a record, let the audience in a little bit more and, and yeah. they get a sense of what you're doing. Well, on the flip side, is it difficult then not to get carried away when you're in the studio and you have that ability to be like really polished or even just throw tracks mm. upon tracks upon tracks on something? Like, and nowhere to stop kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we've, when we're in the studio, we tend not to think about the live show, which isn't really the best idea because then you have a head wreck afterwards and you're trying to piece things together. Um, but I think it's kind of because of the nature of how we started. Like it's, it was just like a harp and, and two voices. So that's pretty limiting it in itself if you kind of <laughs> let it be. Sure. So when we started, when we made the first EP, we were just like, we didn't, didn't know what we were doing. We didn't really have a specific show in mind. It was just like, we'll just throw down what happens and figure that out after. And we kind of have kept that mentality a little mm. bit. Like we don't write, we don't write with the four piece in mind or the two piece in mind or anything like that. But it and there's so many it is hard you can't get carried away then with like because anything is possible with the amount of gear that like one could have that we don't necessarily mm. so you do have to kind of stop yourself sometimes I know uh, Craig's been very polite resident super fan of Twin Peaks over oh, here yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 go on ask them about it <laughs> so guys Twin Peaks The Return what do you think oh, I loved it oh good <laughs> what okay. did you think day. yeah it was fantastic yeah it was I think it's the best it's incredible series yeah, yeah. I'd actually agree, yeah. yeah. Uh, of yeah, the three. The original, yeah. yeah. Probably is, I, I don't know, it's like, the weird thing for me is that it's over a year since I know. Was on, and I'm just like, oh, time yeah. for a rewatch. Yeah, yeah, but I remember yeah. like when I came back and I remember like watching the first two episodes and uh, I, I think I've gone on about this a lot, but like the, uh, <laughs> just the ending of the first part where like chromatics are on stage. Yeah. So it's just something better. It was like the greatest kind of audiovisual thing I've ever seen. Like yeah. I just found myself like totally taken away and heartbroken by it. But it's such a weird show because it has so many loose ends that they never went back to. But I'm still like, yeah, no, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wanted the loose ends, I think. With, yeah. like, that's one of the few shows where I do need the loose ends kind of, yeah. To be yeah. perfectly honest, putting chromatics in there should have been your hint that this is the promise of something that they're never actually <laughs> going to come back. <laughs> It's happening, don't worry. But yeah, I mean, one of your recent singles, Twin Peaks, which I, I heard you speak about the other night, and mm. it was written for a friend who you said was going mm. through a very difficult time. Mm. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think we're all kind of swept away by that idea of just chilling out and watching Twin Peaks. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very kind of uplifting thought and kind of sound as well. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, and a kind of an escapist thing to it. Yeah, well, I kind of wanted to um, describe, you know, like a very stale, hungover day when you're just all you want to do is stay inside and kind of like not engage with the outside world and close the curtains and put on the TV. And that sounds like kind of to some people maybe a horrible thing to do, but sometimes <laughs> that's like the nicest gift yeah, you yeah. can give yourself and your friend just to ignore everything and, and watch Twin Peaks. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that then, when the album is released, obviously you've got a tour lined up, but is there a sense that you're just kind of like, I, I mean, I mean, this must be one of the first times where like there is no plan presumably from that week onwards what happens is going to happen beyond your control beyond like beyond the tour or when yeah. when that when the tour starts yeah um it's yeah kind of freaky looking at our diary because i know this isn't that long a time but pretty much every day is accounted for until 17th of december so like in terms of our short-term plan we're like i think we're just a bit we can't even think beyond that because we're like yeah. so overwhelmed with the um, touring that we'll be doing we've never done anything like that before it's only been a much shorter um, stints so um, it's kind of nice that when the album comes out we're just going to be in a string of gigs so you're already in a different mindset mm. you know um, we've had it before where like you bring out singles or things come out online and you're just kind of sitting in the rehearsal room being like ah refreshing it's kind of freaky so it's kind of nice that already 
we're regardless of like even if like one person listens to it we still have a string of gigs coming yeah, up yeah. so already like that's for us for me anyway that's what the album is is, is mm. those those gigs and whatever happens with it like it's not really our, our part is done yeah. a week after the album comes out you'll be hitting the Olympia Theatre mm-hmm. uh, one of the most beautiful stages in the country mm. and uh, on opening act duties is uh, our roving reporter who admittedly hasn't roved or reported for us for a while no, but uh, no. David Tapley of Town and Felix oh, yeah. will be yes. kicking things off which is uh, quite the coup he's a very hard man to pin down so, <laughs> um, all yeah, that roving yeah. <laughs> he's roving all the time that hair blowing in the wind but uh, no it's it, I think it's a wonderful kind of union and like, I'm very much looking forward to it I mean obviously you guys kind of have a bit of camaraderie with certain acts in the scene mm. there's like a spies connection on O'Connor yeah. as your manager mm-hmm. and I mean it's interesting to kind of see like this kind of grouping of Irish acts kind of coming up at the same time I mean Tan and Felix is another one where we've talked about like where's the fucking album though <laughs> like, yeah it's coming really, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah Tan and Felix is a, I feel really honoured to share the stage with David because he was one of the first people I met that I played with in Dublin like this maybe eight years six years ago we met in the cafe in the Trinity Cafe there just across the street from where we're recording this and um, he was really really encouraging from the start I remember I didn't really tell anyone that I was writing songs and I he found my like YouTube link or something and was like listening to it and to my surprise wasn't laughing at me was like these are these are good songs and asking to play with me and he's been a real big mm. um, supporter as a friend and just like we've played loads of shows together before I met Gemma and um, it's just so 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 nice that we get to share the Olympia stage and um, yeah. I mentioned the other night as well that um, he is referenced in um, probably more than one but in um, the final song of our the last album. line yeah the last line is um come on David sing one more and that's just about sitting around in um, circles with lots of friends and David always having the guitar out and like oh well David <laughs> another one but we're all dying to hear it of course but um, it just feels so to me it's like everything has come full circle it's like yeah. a, a privilege to be able to sing the very level. last line of the album yeah well it's, cool. it's the last line of the verse and then the chorus repeats itself but it's okay. the last new line Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're never going to hear the end of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, to be fair, Tappy is very humble, and he is, you yeah, know, as you say, like you, I think you've described his character to a T. But I'm still a little bit worried about that. <laughs> but we'll see what happens when the album drops, and, and at the Olympia, maybe he'll just like knock it off the stage. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, come back out for one more. Come back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. As I know, you guys are crazy busy. We really appreciate you coming in and talking to us. So oh, thank you so much. much. And best of luck with everything. The Thanks album is the fifth of October. Yes. Uh, the Olympia on the eleventh of October, and after that, you're in Clon, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Belfast, Derry. To it's from usual outlets, I presume. Yes. Best That's of luck, guys. Thank Thanks you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank so much. You. Cheers. <laughs> so yeah, that was Saint Sister. And now to the news, guys. Yeah. Big news. It's big news. The, the the third biggest one yeah, was last so. week. The MTV VMAs drawing the lowest viewership in history. Now, what does VMA stand for? Video Music Awards, David. Okay. Um, Just checking, yeah. I think it is important to check at this point. Yeah, it got 4.87 million viewers. It's a 2.2 rating, if anybody understands what that Hang means. Hang on a second. Are you actually reading those notes? Yeah. Oh, should we talk about the notes? Yeah, Craig. So I'm renowned, obviously, on this show for supplying notes um, printed on the finest quality paper of late. Really mm-hmm. is. Everyone's been very impressed. Um, Saint's <laughs> sister commented on how lovely the paper was. Fortunately, we can barely read <laughs> because it's gone like... It's kind of a shaky or something. Yeah, yeah it's like kind of when you're getting an eye test, like, like the closing super, stages. The text is like superimposed on itself just enough that it looks like you're kind of yeah that we're very nearsighted just by staring yeah. at it. So um, we're gonna power through. 
Um, yeah. I hope it doesn't completely derail the show. No, it won't. And neither um, will my neither will my reading of the big award winners at the VMAs. Oh, Camille Cabello big. won Video of the Year for Havana. Best <laughs> collaboration was Jennifer Lopez featuring DJ Khaled and Cardi B, who was also named Best New Artist, Cardi B. Artist of the Year, however, not to be confused with Best New Artist, is Camille Cabello as well. Song of the Year, Post Malone, Rockstar. Best Pop Video, Ariana Grande, who we'll be talking about later on, with No mm-hmm. Tears Left to Cry. Uh, best hip hop video, Nicki Minaj for Chun Lee. We'll be talking about her in a few minutes as well, guys. Uh, Song of the summer, Cardi B. I like it. Uh, Michael Jackson video Vanguard award, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Uh, Avicii posthumously won an award, and video with a message. Can you guess? Oh, oh um, Charles Gambino. Correct. Uh, How did he not win best video? I don't. I think I don't it was know. fan voted. No, no. In fairness, yeah. but like, have you seen the Havana video? But it's no, I haven't. It's like ba- it's like a playoff, a kind of telenovela type thing. All right, and it features like a, I guess like the Latin version of Mrs. Brown, and it's it's not this is America. In fairness, right? So yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this award show, uh, this is Havana. Yeah, <laughs> much, much like her speech. No, it's all about Madonna. Did you see this? Oh, so good. I read about it, dude. It's incredible, right? It's it's like she was learning a foreign language and got the words for "thank you" and "you're welcome" mixed up, where she managed to pay tribute to Aretha Franklin by paying tribute to herself. It's so good. Yeah. But basically, she said, like, no, Aretha gave the world so much. I mean, for instance, there'd <laughs> be no Madonna. She just waffles on about, like, being in Paris and having a great time, but then being like, I need to learn the guitar because of Aretha. And that just goes on and on. Who and, knows, like. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, why'd you enlist Madonna to, probably like, just, praise someone yeah, else? Probably just as well that nobody was watching. <laughs> She's done this before. Madonna has. She had, yeah. She, oh, yeah, she has previous. She when Michael does Jackson, not give a good speech. When Michael Jackson died, she did pretty much the same thing. She did, yeah. Um, um, although also at this award, every time that somebody gets that Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, you know, as J-Lo did this year, you're yeah. just reminded of that time, remember, when Michael Jackson won the inaugural one and thought he was winning Artist of the Millennium. Yeah, it wasn't even the Vanguard, it was something else, because the Vanguard's been going since the 80s. Oh, right, okay. And he didn't win it, I think, till like 1988. So I don't. I mean, he must have been really annoyed at like everyone getting the Michael Jackson Vanguard <laughs> award. To be him. fair, like, but yeah, that was sorry, that was hilarious. It was, I, it was, it wasn't even a proper award. It was like no. for his birthday or something, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And Britney Spears was I think just somebody like, just like in conversation referred to him as like the greatest artist. Yeah, and he's of the like, I can't believe you've <laughs> named me the greatest artist yeah, again, of all time. Again, like I say, least of his problems. Yeah, true. So true. But yeah, ratings are down, guys. People don't care about award shows anymore. Much like with the Oscars, which is doing a retooling, the VMAs don't. I mean, like, here's what it is. Like, the names I read are the names you'd expect me to read, because all it is is an industry backstop. Who can you get? Of course. And who can you get? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Very much so. Um, Look, the uh, Ivory Novellas is still going strong. That's the important thank thing. Thank Christ, the big one. Thank God, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I need I need some integrity in my you life. You mentioned yeah. Nicki Minaj earlier on. Uh, her album debuted at number two on the charts beyond Travis Scott, but she has called foul. Uh, she has said that Travis artificially inflated his numbers through ticket bundles and the streaming service. Uh, Spotify has been treating her unfairly. Um, she says as well that they did the same in promoting Drake, despite the fact that he has an Apple radio show. Yeah. Uh, but she is apparently being victimized because of it. Uh, Her I mean, album went in at number two. Travis's yeah. went in at number one. Now, here's the thing. A few months on this show, you posited a theory, and I tried to shoot it down because I was saying, hey, listen, like we don't want to be promoting women tearing each other down, and we absolutely don't. However, you did posit the idea that Cardi B had put the Frighteners up her. Right. And that's kind of maybe possibly paying off. I mean, like, like here's the thing. Um, you want artists to fight for their independence and fight for their corner, and that's what she's doing. 
But there's a petulance here. Well, the thing, the <laughs> there's thing, a petulance. But there is. But yeah. as I said last week as well, with the whole album, <laughs> that like, went very news night yeah, there. I there's a petulance it. to I this. It. The album, it, the album itself, does have the vibe of like Nicki Minaj versus the world. So it's only fitting that in the week afterwards she reacts to its chart placing by lashing out at various people. But I'm glad though that she did call out Travis artificially inflating his sales. Can because you I at the what time, that is? So like, basically it's more people want his merch and if you go to his online store and get his merch you will get like a download code or whatever and that means that counts as like an album sale. Yeah. Um, now I will point out Nicki Minaj did the exact same thing for his album. <laughs> so, so really her, her gripe is that her merch isn't good enough. I think her gripe her is gripe that is with uh, Spotify. her gripe is that like uh, Kylie Jenner isn't her girlfriend so therefore you know. And also I mean that's yeah, a fair show. further I, influence. I would imagine a lot of Travis's quote unquote sales were people just being like oh well it's merch related to Kylie Jenner stuff like there is that crossover for sure. Can um, I just while well, we keep mentioning Travis can I just talk about a different Travis very briefly because I forgot to mention it on last week's show that the Scottish band of <gasps> Why Does It Always Rain On yeah, Me fame, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, right, are playing uh, the Olympia in December. Two twice, nights, yeah, I believe. Yeah, twice. Yeah. Well, two nights? Yeah, the second, and, the other, and the second playing one to their yeah. best known album, The Man Who, in full. Ah, uh, right? that'll explain it. However, Craig, why would bands typically do this? Like, for an anniversary, anniversary right? Yeah. A milestone, yeah. yeah. Do you know how old The Man Who is in December? 19 He's exactly 19, 19 and a half years old <laughs> Did nobody sit the band down Hold And just off. be like lads Sit tight just for a few months And then you can just go for it Maybe they have like holidays booked for then And just like we better get these gigs in now Yeah <laughs> Maybe it's a year long tour and <laughs> ambitious Some dates will sync up perfectly They're hoping that rather than playing two nights at the Olympia They're going to get 184 or something Entirely possible I mean <laughs> if you're going to milk it, milk it yeah. Also that is going to be a contender for the most boring gig the city has ever seen. Uh, I didn't. Fran Healy's always had a good sense of humour, so I imagine that they'd <laughs> actually Sorry, be alright. Sorry, he's just doing a stand-up set. <laughs> <laughs> this I agree with, yeah. But like I say, hello Dublin. <laughs> I think he'll be. Uh, what I'm saying is that I imagine it'll have some level of self-awareness about it. But the it songs, man, <laughs> songs are the songs. You can't get self-awareness. On. They're doing a 19-year anniversary tour. <laughs> yeah, it's fair point. Actually. Iconic Dower album, the man who. So. Amongst uh, Nicki Minaj's kind of tirade, she said, or like she gave out about Spotify, of course. Spotify responded in hilarious corporate dialogue fashion. Spotify supported Nicki Minaj with a Times Square billboard, a host of the largest playlists, New Music Friday, and the new music release Shelf. Her song Bed actually saw an increase based on the promotions put behind the campaign. The company continues to be big fans of Nicki. Yeah, I mean, I think she is right that there, of course, there's well, huge... the Drake comp- thing was ridiculous. Yeah, there's, like, I mean. and there's, there is huge competition, obviously, between the platforms, and it does seem strange that Apple Music's biggest dude was hyped so much by Spotify. Although, no, it doesn't, because he's essentially the biggest thing on the well, planet yeah, right now in terms of music. Anyone, so, yeah, just, yeah. Um, whether it becomes a gender thing, I don't really see that it does. I think they were just jumping on board the Drake bandwagon um, while still also trying to compete with platforms and she's got caught in the middle. Yeah, and she wasn't finished there. Uh, I'm going to read a, a quote now, quite fiery, so if you have any children near the stereo, I assume you listen to us exclusively. I'm sure all the kids are huddled <laughs> through, around the through, transistor yeah, radio. Through, <laughs> through the hi-fi. Glued to the wireless. Go she on. says, what we're not going to do is have that auto-tune man selling fucking sweaters telling you he sold half a million albums because he fucking 
fucking didn't. You stupid fuck. You got your fucking homeboy talking for you and you got your girlfriend selling tour passes. Stop it. Knock it the fuck off. When Travis comes along and sells a tour pass that has nothing to do with music and says, sold more than Kanye West and has, no, you fucking didn't. Keep it the fuck real. And to be fair, that's a really vociferous reaction to Travis doing a 19-year anniversary album, isn't it? Like, <laughs> can, I, can I actually say <laughs> anybody... <laughs> can I say anybody who's recording that you actually skipped a fucking along the way? It's even worse. Yeah, than right, in fairness, I, like it got to a stage where I was like, "Who am I, Colin Farrell?" Yeah. She's also in hot water for bringing six nine on her tour, uh, who yeah. is accused of underage sex and outright pedophilia. And she very much was like, "Look, I know him, you don't." And I'm like, "Yeah, the optics, <laughs> the, optics. <laughs> the optics, Dave. You're all about the optics. Think of the optics." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's still something hip-hop has to deal with, just these kind of problematic characters. That Very much be, so. Uh, Tough week in the music industry for women, Colm. Uh, yeah, Lana Del Rey um, has been under fire uh, for making her live debut in Israel, or planning, at least, uh, for the Meteor Festival. Um, You're still things. reading off those notes. I don't know how, how you're doing, are you doing I tried this? to do a second I ago. I don't know. My eyes are, like, my just eyes just are burning. Just focused on Very it pretty impressive. well. Like. Uh, okay, Colm, I'm going to throw a hardball Newsnight question at you. Yes, sir. What's the problem in Israel? <laughs> 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 and how do we solve it? <laughs> first part first, please. Well, it's largely to do with occupied ter- territories in former Palestine, Dave. Uh, it's a genuine question. I guarantee there are people out there who just have, know the surface level of this. Well, yes, yeah, so, well, basically, like, Israel was formed as a nation-state after the Second World War. And just War. kept getting bigger and bigger. Exactly, <laughs> and it's sort of grown into what used to be Palestinian land. Yeah. Uh, it claims, legitimately, um, the Palestinians, and obviously an awful lot of uh, sympathizers across the globe, would say it is very much not. And, yeah, so basically, when she committed to this festival, uh, also attended by Pusha T, Flying Lotus, ASAP Ferg, Kamasi Washington... Not a bad lineup, actually. Now that I look at it, I won't Are go. My boycott stands. Uh, no, so the stream. Very no big of you, Colin. Very good. But uh, yeah, Lana Del Rey has said that she uh, will play there. Um, she basically said that performing in Tel Aviv is not a political statement or a commitment to the politics there. Just as singing here in California doesn't mean my views are in alignment with my current government's opinions or sometimes inhuman actions. There was also a incredible response to a Lana Del Rey fan account, Lana Del Rey Sweden as it turns out, where like they said, we understand your good intention, however you playing there is used as propaganda to improve the image of Israel abroad. And Lana Del Rey responded with, but could a person as good intentioned as I, not perhaps with my presence, bring attention to the fact that something should change and that a singer with a loving energy can help shift the energetic vibration of a location for the higher good, even if it's just for a minute? Very much channeling Al Pacino's uh, bullshit mayor in City Hall there with that speech. And thankfully, some bloke responded and said, this is the most L.A. bullshit I have yeah. ever read. And it she, really is. Yeah, she did have a slightly better response later when she said that she will be uh, visiting Palestine as well when she's over there. I'm not sure if that's much better now that I say it out loud. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's looking forward to meeting both Palestinian and Israeli children and playing music for everyone. It, it wasn't quite as good as Nick Cave, whose response was basically just like, everyone just fuck off and play in Israel. <laughs> right? It was basically what he did. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and yeah. people just went, yeah, all right. So, you know, I'm going to end into an argument with Nick Cave. It's not worth it. We'll move on to Lana Del Rey. <laughs> uh, she went on to make a reference to Pink Floyd, though, and I'm not sure if Roger Waters will appreciate that, because he's been hardline about this kind of thing, calling out the likes of Tom 
Sam York over and the I, years. I and I think he's part of the problem because he is very much the one voice that comes out constantly every time a, a kind of new artist uh, is revealed to be playing there. Um, and I totally understand his thinking, but I also think a lot of people aren't huge Pink Floyd fans and they just go, Roger fucking Waters? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think he doesn't have brand credibility? Well, yes. Well, she also, yeah. she turned. I think those later Pink Floyd albums where he was just very, very self-indulgent have really hurt they him. damaged his ability to yes. do noble things. Well, she also turned it around on him in saying that uh, his line about taking action even when you believe in neutrality, well, I believe in neutrality, but this is my action. So, yeah, she's playing there. <laughs> if you happen to be in Tel Aviv uh, when, I don't know, sometime in the coming weeks, September 6th to 8th. We don't quite know the state of the musical world in Israel, or even Palestine. But yeah. you got to wonder, are there any Eagles albums knocking around? Got to, I will listen. Got to question the fucking state of the musical world in America here. <laughs> So, their album, which is their greatest hits album, 1971 best, to 1975, it has retaken the spot <laughs> of best-selling album of all time in the US, passing Thriller. It's not a fucking album! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it shouldn't count, Greatest first hits all. don't count, Second yeah. of all, I feel like this was released before Hotel California. So what the hell's on it? Like, <laughs> that's a 1976 right. compilation, actually. Is Desperado yeah. on it? Because that's a belter. Oh, yeah. They have a few tunes. Well, yeah, it's, one, the greatest one of those hits, it's their greatest hit spanning, nights. like, five years here, apparently. 1971 to 1975. It's always baffled me. Like, just the Eagles in general. They're, they're one of these bands... Like, go I on, pu- Craig. Go for them. Drag them. <laughs> it's just so, like, middle-of-the-road soft rock nothingness. It's yeah. just <laughs> I mean, the vanilla t- bullshit for pre-yuppies. <laughs> The time in which it existed kind of explains some of their success, but the su- sustained Cocaine. success, I just don't get it. Like, I ranked them alongside Pat Benatar as one of those yes. things that only happened in America yeah. and just never got any traction I love the else. name Pat Benatar. It sounds like a musical instrument. It's so good. <laughs> Hang on a second. Uh, Craig, if you found yourself stuck in a lift for 24 hours and had to listen to either The Eagles or The Doors on repeat, what would it be? Oh, jeez. And you can't I, I get out of the lift. The Eagles, because I think they're easier to kind of tune out. Whereas Jim Morrison's <laughs> terrible, terrible poetry and like, yeah, the Lizard King would just drive me insane. I can deal with Don Henley. I like some of his solo stuff. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. So yeah, um, according to the Recording Industry Association of America, the 1976 compilation has been certified 38 times platinum. Thriller bumped to second at 33 times platinum. So take your Vanguard Best Art Millennium Award with you, Michael. Well, another Eagles album, 1977's Hotel California, is the third there you best. Go. Yeah, so yeah, it's third best. That. They have they have spots one and three on the podium. What's happening? I did, again. Did I'm, they do merch bundles? <laughs> 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 Nicki Minaj is going to be furious. But it does feel like, you know, when America got Obama and you're like, oh, you know, a great kind of evil has been right and finally drawn you up. And then Trump comes in. Like, the Eagles are, like, overtaking <laughs> Michael Jackson again. It's just like, what? I thought we are past this white privilege bullshit. <laughs> we're but not. No, we're really not. Uh, this, this again, this is why Lana should be boycotting playing in America, yes. lads. Well, to be fair, I understand why Lana has to make a song and dance about where she's playing because she's been beaten to the punch. She can't play Stonehenge. That's Paul Oakenfold oh, territory, Jesus folks. Yeah. Paul Oakenfold is a DJ like none other and he <laughs> will be DJing where no others have DJed before. Now listen, you might say, well that's just ridiculous, man. How can this possibly work? And why Paul Oakenfold? I'll tell you why. Because he's braved the freezing winds of Mount Everest base camp and mixed atop the mighty Great Wall of China and now he goes full spinal tap and takes on Stonehenge. I'm not making this up, guys. I know. Like, like it's just Spinal Tap, like, that's all yeah, this is. Except fully sized. Yeah, and probably not as funny. No. I, like, I, Ready Steady Goes a banger, I get that. 
Well, yeah, but it's not funny. Like, <laughs> I want to know, like, funny. I want to know the logistics. Like, does he have his deck set up on one of the ancient stones, or pe- can people like get pilled out around that stuff? Or it's is an it- invite-only guest list of no more than fifty people. Okay, yeah. Take, it's going down next month, and Oganfall is excited. And I imagine the forces of the venue would sort of get you high anyway. The natural oh, vibrations. The, the, the natural vibrations of the ley lines coupled with what he's putting out there. I mean, I don't know if this, I don't know, 50 people enter. I don't know get if Benatar involved. I don't know if 50 people are leaving. I am so lucky to be able to share my music from such an iconic site, says Logan Fall. The energy will be like nowhere else on earth and it'll be reflected in my music and performance. Sunset at Stonehenge will be the most magical. It'll be recorded live for and released as a special album called Live at Stonehenge. Yeah. Yeah, and considering yeah. there's only fifty people allowed yeah. there, recording it is a good move. Yeah, but also though, kind of the whole cachet of doing a gig at Stonehenge is like seeing Stonehenge, right? I feel like yeah. an Oakenfold live album isn't exactly going to be much different to record it. Well, stuff. we'll find out when we review <laughs> Maybe, it in yeah. a few months' time, Craig. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> and finally, in our and finally corner, um, Michael Nesmith of the Monkeys um, has been bigging up vaporwave. Now, mm. Craig, please. Uh, as our genre expert, yeah, Craig. alongside drill music, one of your other subgenre uh, favorites. Yeah, so I mean, we all remember the big chill wave craze of, I guess, a decade or so ago, right? Mm-hmm. Vaporwave was, I think, it started as like a kind of ironic joke version of that, and then a few decent songs came out of it, and it just kind of overtook chill wave in the great wave wars of 2011 or something yeah i mean there's also simpsons wave which is really yeah Yeah. there's too much wave i was never a big fan of the chill wave it's very hazy kind of music like it's kind of the kind of stuff you would think you would see people who make fan made videos for the film drive who think they can do better than the soundtrack for that film which they can't uh that kind of stuff very like you know la sunset neon nighttime driving around that kind of stuff and there's some good stuff i mean like there's a great simpsons wave video called Crisis, in which Homer Simpson imagery is used to genuinely devastating effect. Uh, but and maybe Michael Nesmith, all 75 years of him, mm. has seen that one because he's gone down the YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not too, I'm not too shocked, to be honest. If you've heard some of that like latter-day monkey stuff, they got quite they experimental. Struck, yeah, that type. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he was, well, he was the main songwriter, wasn't he? Yeah. And once they, I think they kind of lost their major backing, or maybe when the show finished, they started going quite psychedelic and chilled out themselves and they've some interesting kind of like film stuff and yeah i think they just took a lot of drugs and Surely now his not. drug is <laughs> youtube rabbit holes and yeah he says it's waves, the most so psychedelic thing he's heard since psychedelics so uh yeah <laughs> if you see him driving around that's probably what's on a stereo and give stay a, away from the road oh, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How do you possibly link from that to our album of the week? I just don't think you can. No, you can't. So, let's just play it. was God is a Woman by Ariana Grande, taken from the album Sweetener, which dropped last weekend. And I'm going to steal a line now from Craig's boy, Alexis Petretis in The Guardian, who reviewed this. He gave it three out of five in his review. And he said that God is a Woman, the most remarkable thing about it is its title. And I think that's probably fair. So here's the thing. 
uh, it's reflective, I think, of an album that ultimately comes across to me as something of a missed opportunity and something of a case of, I think, Ariana Grande dropping the ball, which is an interesting time because, you know, we must preface this by stating that this is her first long-form work since the absolutely horrible and tragic events of when she played in Manchester and there was a terrorist attack that left many people dead and very much kind of put an awful lot of pressure on the shoulders of a young woman who I thought dealt with it incredibly well, exceptionally well, really, coming back to the city and essentially becoming a fucking citizen, like like more than just honorary. I mean, she brought that city up and brought an awful lot of people a lot of joy when they had had nothing but darkness and pain. And for that, she must always be remembered as an incredible human being. Mm. Uh, we would hope that it would filter through to an album which has actually been in the works for some time. I think even before that happened, yeah, she'd announced it one stage that it was done, and then like another year went by, and obviously a lot has changed in her life. Even outside of that incident, she's fallen in love. She's yeah. gotten engaged to Pete Davidson, a comedian known for SNL, I believe. Yep. Yeah, and uh, a track on this album. And a track on this <laughs> album named after him. And yeah, you know, Ariana Grande kind of coming after fans who've been criticizing them in quite funny fashion, I must admit. So, 15-track album, uh, Pop Majesty, and once again, uh, it's a given at this stage, you know, it's, it goes without saying that Ariana Grande has one of the best vocals in the business. We reviewed Dangerous Woman on this uh, podcast two years ago, and Cullum, you didn't believe it. You didn't believe that she was all that dangerous. You felt you were being sold something that wasn't quite there yeah. uh, from a personality point of view, from an identity point of view, and from an execution point of view. Does Sweetener change that at all for you, or is this a step down? Like, what is this? Like, it's... Strange. At the time, I said that one of the problems for Ariana Grande was going to be establishing an identity for herself, something that you would hear a track and go, oh, yeah, that's an Ariana Grande song, in the same way as you can with a lot of the sort of, like, you know, Gaga, Katy Perry, the other sort of, like, you know, mainstays uh, at the very, very top of the pop industry. This album feels like a step towards it, or at least in parts, it does have the sort of trap lord standards in here that we'd expect in 2018. But there's also some stuff that rather eschews that and goes a slightly different direction. It gets experimental at times. There's definitely more of her in this album. At the same time, whether or not it's all that good is sort of the question that I'm struggling with and I'm kind of leaning towards no. Yeah, um, I think it is successful in getting across her personality more. It feels possibly, if you were a little sceptical of the last one, more like um, just her her kind of vibe, person, online personality. Her is a kind of very infectious person. Um, the kind of light and shade she can throw out. That's kind of all present here. Uh, her manager, Scooter Braun, talked in the run-up to this about how She's such a remarkable voice. It's up there with a Whitney or a Mariah. Um, all these iconic female artists who have very iconic songs. And he said what she was missing was those songs and that, that she could really, you know, stamp her authority on. Said that he basically said it's time for her song. Mm. Um, I don't think her song is on this album. Mm. Uh, I certainly didn't hear it. Um, and, you know, while it kind of captures her feel and style a lot I think maybe her songwriters let her down a little bit and I think Pharrell Williams has definitely let her down because uh, it feels at times more like a Pharrell solo project on his offerings which are numerous and I think was maybe a mistake well you see that's interesting because basically you can split this album down the middle close enough uh, or sorry split in two not down the middle it jumps around of course but 
basically between her working with Ilya and Max Martin and her former sort of prominent collaborators and Pharrell, like you say, who takes pretty much the other 50% of the tracks on here. Mm-hmm. And I felt that Pharrell's stuff, at the very least, was markedly different to what else you'd hear from, you know, a lot of the other pop pretenders right now. Whereas, obviously, you get somebody like Max Martin, who, you know, whether it's through his own doing or the fact that he's going to be imitated so much, it does sound very familiar. Yeah. There's very little that's going to set it apart. Now, granted, I also feel that with Ariana Grande, as you mentioned, Dave, you've got one thing in her voice that is capable of setting a lot of things apart. And it just doesn't seem to be utilised as much as maybe it should. There's a jack-of-all-trades feeling here where she can capably kind of go into a little bit of soul, a little bit of gospel. There's a bit of rap in here, and like she doesn't disgrace herself by any means. But you feel like there's a secret weapon that's maybe not being utilised as it should be. Yeah, and maybe it's fitting that on the album artwork she's upside down because her head must be fucking spinning after making this album because it really is, like, a fight. You know, it really is an artist being split into two different parts that don't quite come together, which is strange because the stage was set for a variety of reasons, not just the obvious. I mean, like, this should have been the I Take Control album. I agree wholeheartedly with Craig. I read the same quotes from Scooter Braun and I found myself being like, where is that song? Yeah. Let alone songs. There's not one of them here. I mean, like, a song like No Tears Left to Cry, which is the lead single, has absolutely appreciated in value for me. Yeah, very much so. I think it's a standout. It's a great song and it's it's track 10 here. Like, it almost feels buried and lost. Um, We talked about The Light Is Coming, which for me is is weighed down by Pharrell because it's weighed down by that sample that he used. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, on Lemon for any ORD. However, Ariana Grande is sensational on this track. She's fantastic. What she's doing is, it's like you can actually see her dancing and like bobbing and weaving like away from a conventional thread. Sure. She does it with incredible elegance and grace and uh, the, the execution is masterful. Nicki Minaj is kind of just Nicki Minaj on it. I mean, like, but yeah, uh, she's why, it's why is she there? It's, but yeah. but you're there, you're like, you're like, this is so close. Like, like, I mean, like, get rid of Nicki Minaj, get rid of this fucking sample that they don't turn off. And one of Ariana Grande's most interesting kind of rhythmic deliveries and confidence and just kind of like swagger is here. Why didn't you explore that more? And ultimately... She just settles into kind of like Michael Bublé does the hits at times. I mean, like uh, yeah. a, a closing track like Get Well Soon is just so generic. There are great moments. I mean, like the title track Sweetener has a really nice lilt to it, but it's still very mm, feather light. The chorus as well is a bit like the chorus twist to pull is, it. You know, I, yeah, 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 it goes it technologic, is. yeah. Um, like Successful has good ideas in which she's kind of like like railing against the media perception of her, but at the same time, apart from a really kind of slick tempo to it and kind of like some good kind of whip crack flourishes it's still a bit generic breathing has great moments as well particularly vocally but ultimately these songs are quite disposable and even the way it starts with raindrops and angel cried which is like a 37 minute intro almost sets up an album that never arrives yeah it's yeah it feels like the stage is being set um you have that kind of a cappella lead in and then that's kind of my problem because it's it's it is split up, but it's quite Pharrell front loaded. And from his signature intro thing of just like the one, two, three, four, yeah. which he will not just let go of. So it sounds like you're kind of almost restarting the album, another Pharrell album, every bloody song. It sounds like you've you've hit shuffle on this album and you've gone from track one to track fourteen. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the light is coming. Just I'm losing interest at that point. REM, I think, actually works. 
um, because I think she takes ownership of it. Uh, I believe it was like offered up to Beyonce or certainly she had a kind of passed at it. And um, the demo she kind of did isn't really um, up there with what Ariana did with it. Like her lyrics are quite different as well. She made it hers. So that's maybe one moment where I think that pairing really works. But yeah, elsewhere, I agree. I mean, Borderline's kind of another case in point where you feel like she's being scuppered by this messy production underneath and then Missy Elliott just being very un-Missy Elliott and Mm. not very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing that you can't avoid on this album is that as Dave mentioned, you know, it is always going to be viewed in the spectre of what's happened in the past sort of 12, 15 months or so. And the fact that, you know, successful is a bit of kind of like, you know, braggadocious show ponying basically. But, you know, she's probably earned the right at this point. Uh, Pete Davidson, as you mentioned, is this kind of a short, kind of cheeky throwaway thing, but basically just about how happy she is and in love she is. Um, get well soon. Um, what else here? Light is coming, no tears left to cry as well. I mean, there's a lot here that sort of is focused towards her mindset at this point. And I guess a lot of people are going to take that to heart. I was reminded a little bit of some stuff that you said about Yay, Dave, um, in that you know, the album in itself, the fact that it exists is to be celebrated. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, she appears to have come out of this very turbulent part of her life in pretty good form, basically, is to be celebrated. Absolutely, it is. And, like, that's what makes this one tricky. And I've read some reviews which have gone very far in the other direction, like, which have basically just been like, here's five stars because you're happy. Yeah. And it's like, sure, I see the argument. Absolutely. Well, I think... But I also would question, you know, I really, really feel that despite the context of it, your job as a critic at the end of the day is to review what's been put in front of you. And from that point of view, even with all the contextual elements to me, this doesn't work properly. I mean, I think... I'd go slightly further in it's nice that she sounds happy. I think as a narrative, it works quite well. And I think lyrically she gets enough in there where you feel like you're following a proper journey journey, and it feels real and it does have some of her personality. She is just, again, undermined by these various songwriters and varying sounds and a total mishmash of stuff. Just songwriting, I don't think, was quite there. Um, so, yeah, missed opportunity. That's the biggest problem, the songwriting. And she apparently, like again, Scooter Rom was like, she took the reins, you know, she got in there and she's, uh, this is her biggest present on, on an album. But if it was, I wonder if she was shouted down. I mean, I Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of this. Like yeah, I mean, I find it hard to believe that these are either decisions that she has made or even d- decisions that have been made in collaboration. But she doesn't strike really. me as somebody who would allow that to happen. I mean, like, she's very much her own person and I would assume controls her own brand and all that kind of stuff. But obviously, you know, it must be difficult to go against a Pharrell Williams or a Max Martin. I would assume that this whole thing was made in a very collaborative spirit, and maybe it's a case of too many cooks because yeah. it just feels like there's a clash of styles. Well, I'm sure, like, you know, and the one were, thing that shouldn't get lost is getting lost. Like, yeah, perhaps I'm sure there's a lot of enjoyment in here. I mean, I'm sure, for instance, as I'm saying, you know, like Ariana's got this big voice, why don't they use that all the time? Mm. She's probably loving the idea that somebody comes to her with a completely different idea. You yeah, know, she's that's probably fair. loving the thought of saying, like, God, I've never actually got to do a song where my vocals aren't the big mad thing. I'd love Still, to try this. Still, though, it doesn't feel brave enough. And I don't mean that from the, from a narrative point of view. I think she is obviously an exceptionally brave human being. She's proven that ten times over and never needs to do so again. However, I think from the point of view of making an artistic statement, outside of the statement that here is my statement, yeah, I don't think there is much here. I'm not sure. You see, I, I, no, I, th- I think the bravery is here, actually. I think they just missed the mark. 
Yeah, I think that's it. I don't. I th- I think I don't think it's a question of making uh, difficult decisions. I think it's just yeah, not quite settling on what the grand Getting thing right. should be. Yeah, I hate to say it. I think it's weak. I think it's a five out of ten. It's a six out of ten for me. I give it a five point five. Alrighty, songs of the week number, please, Craig. Number four, please, Dave. You chose this one, so why don't you introduce it? This is Wild Nutting, their back, back, back with Canyon on Fire. I must confess, Craig, I don't know who this band are. Um, so, I guess they've been around... Well, it's essentially one dude's project, uh, Virginian songwriter. Um, Jack Tatum, am I right? I think so. Yeah, Jack Tatum. Um, who I've kind of always kept an ear out for because I like a lot of his influences. Um, you know, one of those bands that arrive seemingly fully formed in terms of an aesthetic, um, kind of stuff you can hang your hat off quite easily. He did a lot of dreamy... Kind of pop stuff also combined with just kind of glorious guitars and um yeah very very immaculately kind of produced stuff and uh, in fairness maybe he didn't quite have the again songwriting chops at times or the force of personality to really stamp himself and take ownership of those influences uh, it was never really more than some of the parts i think he's getting better and better at doing so um he's taken a few risks and i've got to say I, I really like this track this is exciting to me yeah he's been working with jorge albrecht yeah, like, sure. That, yeah, <laughs> uh, but no. But he's worked a lot with Ariel Pink, and yeah, he's kind of yeah. renowned as being one of those kind of art pop producers, I suppose. Which is why you get, I suppose, a certain blend of kind of spikiness with the melody and clarity mm. that arrives here. Um, I'm just not sure whether or not this is an instance where the various influences have combined to something that sounds wholly familiar as a sort of a fairly run-of-the-mill indie rock song from 10 years ago. I didn't find this particularly exciting. I'm with you. Yeah, run-of-the-mill is probably the right word for it. I found myself thinking that it was nondescript, and I found it hard to discern between the songs of the week this week. Like, I mean, it didn't stand out to me. Like, it literally didn't stand out to me. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing blow away. It's totally fine. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, album arrives next week. I disagree, guys. Maybe I think it's very good. You gotta love those guitars on it, right? It's not a personal attack, mate. Yeah, well, listen, I'm taking it personally for my mate. What's his name? Jack Jack Tatum. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Jackie Tatum. Uh, Number two. We were promised jetpacks, lads. Right. At some point. So where are they? I don't know, but there's a Scottish band with that name stealing in right now. Yeah, Scottish band. The song is called Repeating Patterns. 
I listened to their debut album when I was in college. It was called These Four Walls. Had the old belter on it. Songs like It's Thunder and It's Lightning and Quiet Little Voices. They got an excellent song on their sophomore record called Act on Impulse. And I've always kind of had a bit of, a, bit of a soft spot for them. Mm. Uh, kind of a, a jobbing band with a thick Scottish brogue. You know, but not bad, I think. Hard to know where they're going with this kind of new stuff, because they are ostensibly an indie rock outfit, but yeah. they've kind of gone a little bit experimental. And I say a little bit, I do mean emphasis on a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know if you guys did. No, I actually quite like this, you know. And it's what? funny it's, it's, fun, it's, it's funny when you talk about the direction that this new stuff is going in, because this is actually not new at all. Uh, they closed their sets on their 2015 tour with this song, so... It's actually been knocking, days. It's been knocking around. <laughs> for, it's been knocking around <laughs> for a while, days. and uh, yeah, it's it's very genuinely, you know, that that live favorite. Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it to be honest. I thought that it just it had a lot of good elements, which never overcrowded themselves. And yeah, it, it's just an up tempo indie rock song. I can get on board with it. I kind of like that cascading thing that happens towards the start and then three minutes in I was like looking at my watch and just wondering where it was going and when I could kind of get off. It's totally serviceable and they've always been that kind of band I haven't really kept tabs on them a huge amount but they had yeah the odd belter but just no real, just very nondescript I guess and there was, this does sound very dated to me no? Like this, I was like this is in this is like veering into like the automatic territory and stuff. Oh that's harsh. I, I, there was, there was definite like sonic signals. Have there you noticed of, that Craig and I have managed to like <laughs> say the same thing about two different tracks here, where we're being reminded? Well, of what is what is m- happening between the two indie. different tracks? That like I'm loving the Wild Nothing one, and you're digging this. I don't know. And this I'm, is Freaky Friday, Craig. Really, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Very disconcerting. I liked it. Um, yeah, not a big fan. Um, let's let's go for another number. Give me a number there, Colin, please. Oh, shit. I um, asked you for a number, Craig. That's why I pointed to you. Why didn't you do it on mic? Hold on. <laughs> because I wanted to give the illusion. Because it was going to be smooth. Oh, I thought we had I thought if you po- Okay. I pointed I, if you at you. Point at me, then I, that would suggest that you want me to take Look the reins as opposed it's, to... It's a very, like... It's but like if a, I just go out of nowhere, one... <laughs> like, what's Laz, that? Let's not pull the curtain can back have, too far here. Can I have okay? a number, please, Yeah, number Craig. one, please, David. All right, it's Disclosure, right? There are at least three God, songs this yeah, week that we know let's of. Let's talk about all of them. Or possibly more. And this is where angels fear to tread. Tread softly, Craig, because Patrick Brink, for you, tread on my running order. <laughs> what do you think of this? I quite like it, or actually. These, I rather. quite like the three of the songs, which I was um, a bit surprised by because they never really did it for me in the past. They also inflicted Sam Smith on the world, which I think is, you know, an awful, awful mm. thing that they will spend the rest of their careers trying to make amends for. This does slightly. I like that they're going back to kind of quite old samples. I think their music is working well with that kind of um, acapella jazz thing. Um, where Angels Fear to Tread in particular I thought it worked it's kind of obviously 
based on uh, Fool's Rush In. Yeah. Um, which I like. Yeah, no, it, it reminded me of like almost going back to like a basement jacks at their most kind of tranquil, which sure. was a good sound to me. Some of their older samples, yeah, I, I agree they're doing quite well with. Um, Moonlight was one of the three that they released this week. Yeah, and I that's kind of nice. Yeah, it's quite nice. Hit. I mean, like it, not dissimilar to the track they did at the start of the summer. Um, Ultimatum with Fatimata Diawa in, yes. in the kind of vocal sample. Um, this... Where Angels Fear to Thread, though, this is a novelty song made for a car ad, right? This is... <laughs> no, this is like... Remember, it's kind of got a Moby thing to it, I suppose. Remem- so, yeah, it remember the, should be an Remember ad. the breakdancing singing in the rain ad from 10 years ago? I don't. Th- that's what this is. Do you think so? Yeah. You think it has no soul? No, I think it sounds kitsch. I liked it. Yeah. I don't necessarily disagree. And um, my takeaway from these three tracks, which are all perfectly pleasant to listen to... It remains the same. I don't know who Disclosure are. Yeah, and they're not particularly interesting. I just don't know who they they are. I don't know what their identity is. I don't know what they care about. I don't know what drives them. There's something about, like, there's something cyborg about them and not in a really compelling way. It's fine. Their music is grand. Why do people like it? Yeah. Like, why like, Why do people love it might be a better question. Like, oh, whoa. I have no idea. I didn't realise people loved it that much. I'm sure, yeah, they're no. just They've fine, I'm growing sure. Growing fan base and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, ultimately... I don't know. You reckon they'd be better off working in, in, in Craig's Gaff? Like, just, like, making... Just doing ads? Like, yeah. Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. Craig's Gaff. I'm, 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 sure, I'm, sure, like. I'm sure they can do a bit of both, really. Like, that they can sell the music, uh, uh, like, you know, to, cult, to uh, consumers and have ads on the side. The dream. How about, how about that? Uh, let's go with number two, please. We already did that. Oh, sorry. No, you, nailed, you, you see, you this is what happens it. when you don't say anything, I Dave. pointed to Cullum, he nailed <laughs> the number. Then num- number three, please. Okay, right. From one <laughs> pop act of a certain vintage to another. It's soft sell? It's my hopes. What do you think I do all night? Sit here catching up on soaps. Quite enjoyed my uh, exasperated intro there, guys. Did yeah. you enjoy that? Yeah, no, it did. In fairness, fifteen years. Yeah, fifteen and, years. And since also, their last new song. Yeah, if, when you say fifteen years, I mean, who was looking for that song fifteen years ago? Well, I'll tell you who was looking for this song, Northern Lights, fifteen years ago. Uh, some kind of wacky BBC crime show, maybe like with a knowing novelty detective or something. Because this is the intro credits to a really bad TV show that gets cancelled, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, mm. this song is so eighties. You presume the physical version is just going to arrive in leg warmers rather than an album sleeve. Uh, this sounds like something Glenn and Chris might have sang and not just because of the lights in the title. If I can just say, Diamond Lights is a significantly superior song to this song. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, th- this this is just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. But also, it's on a greatest hits compilation. But why would they're... you release this as your big comeback if that's what it is? Well, well there's just there's two new tracks, or right. at least, sorry, two ne- not heard before tracks on the their greatest hits compilation. This is one of them. It's there if you've got presumably every soft sell album, every piece of merch from before, and want to buy a box set CD Who to complete your collection. They exist somewhere, and I know this because this Greatest Hits album is coming along with one of those like deluxe packages with like a coffee table book and like nine CDs and multiple DVDs and all the rest of it. Someone's buying this shit. I'm not. 
I mean, I can understand why they might have obsessives because of their place in like yeah. musical history, and they were very important to a lot of people, and kind of were there at the birth of a scene. I mean, they feel to me, or they always felt like a bit of a precursor to Pet Shop Boys. Uh, I know um, Neil Tennant was actually kind of huge fan around the time they were breaking through in the kind of late seventies, yeah. early eighties, and they did that kind of articulate. Um, lower middle class but still living in a bed sit but still slightly glamorous and you know lyrically cool thing it, it's very of its time and this is not anywhere near the caliber of the, their highest kind of stuff i mean like the likes of a say hello wave goodbye are just absolute classics and they have this exact same aesthetic but here lyrically it's very um it's very tell not show, isn't it? Like yeah. it's very. Do you remember those nights when we were dancing? And it's it was. Fu- it's funny you mentioned. It's basically like Pet Shop Boys. It's the, Pet Shop it's the Boys. Pop Kids. That last album. It's yeah. Pop Kids yeah. is a great yeah. song, Except though. Pop Kids is brilliant, and this yeah. isn't. Like, like that, that breakdown is legitimately a rip of the Pop Kids moment, where it is that kind of like. Oh, I remember all those nights down the disco and how different it was. Mm. And it's yeah, it is. But ju- you've beaten to it by like the superior, you know, edition of Soft Cell. Yeah, and also the the main chorus melody reminds me a bit of um, it's a fat boy slim, you know, it's a wonderful night. Come on and break it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a bit no, of that going on, which threw me completely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's very much the the problem is lyrically, it's it's grasping for nostalgia and it's grasping for some sentiment. And it's just going to vague platitudes that say nothing at all. The biggest takeaway from this is that Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle released one of the best songs of all time. <laughs> it is a tune. What tune are we talking about? Well, let's just have a quick listen to it again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Phenomenal. That's not our fifth song this week, though. This is... Our old friends lost under heaven. Sure is, Dave. A band that Craig and I like, yes, and that Cullen is so. still skeptical of. One album on. There's another album to come. One of Cullen's big problems with the debut album was the title. It was called Spiritual Songs for Lovers to Sing. They've solved that problem with a new album title, haven't they, Cullen? Well, Love Hates What You Become. I think that's a great title. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's grand. I oh, never had cool. a Bruce. <laughs> no, I didn't have a huge problem with that album title. I had a problem with his vocal delivery, and this is not helping. Like, <laughs> He's not going to change at his stage, mate. I know, but like I've heard of like vocal modulation. This sounds like someone's doing facial modulation, like they're pulling his jaw somewhere, and he's not Bradley Cooper in the elevator. Man, okay, like. wildly offensive to literally Bradley Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley Cooper <laughs> Who fans put ever. in a sterling performance by it's all accounts. It's true, like I mean, he can't enunciate the halfway through these lines. It's for the wild, and yeah, like you're either on board or you're not at this stage. Yeah, I am. I'm on board very much so. And I love it. I think as this goes, initially I was like, I, I worry about him losing some more of that Wu Life magic where. 
I think it, the first album was quite anthemic, and at times it was almost like not obvious, but hitting a certain number of pop marks and also lyrically dealing with themes where I think, yeah, the vocal thing does suddenly become, if you can kind of decipher his lyrics, suddenly his vocal delivery sounds a bit ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? When he just sounds like some mad guy in some mad band and they're like playing up the mountains, it's like, it's, it's got this great kind of enigmatic feel to it. But if he's aiming directly for like plucking your heartstrings, uh, you, fa- you fall into this kind of weird uncanny valley I think but no after a minute or two of this I ju- it just builds and builds I think it's it's the closer of the album and what a kind of finale um, 10 tracks by the way fantastic hook it to my veins in the second week of January I was about to say the second week of January what a lead in <laughs> what are they going to do for the next five months I don't know. They'd probably work on another album. If they release a song a month between now and January, oh, sorry, half you mean, the album will be released. Well, they've released three already, yeah. So, like, I mean, there was a track that we kind of missed a couple months ago, and so far, so good. He was talking about what this song is about. Oh, yeah. He said he's, he's, he's writing, he's currently oh, writing a short yeah, story. Short story. It's character piece. Uh, don't, I don't think... Unhinged preacher. That, he's lost yeah. his flock. And then he goes out into the wilderness and yeah. comes to terms with chaos and why nothing means anything. Maybe it's not just his voice I have issues with because it the, sounds like... But the way the lyrics were going at times, because that, that goes back to me, like it being too kind of universal, it felt like the closest thing he's ever going to do to like Aslan's This Is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if, 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 he nearly could have launched into every everybody hits you with that feeling. Like well, it got a bit too close to that, but then it feared away. Thankfully, give me fucking Christy so. digging him over this seriously. <laughs> okay, fine. Jesus. In the other listening corner this week, uh, I've been listening to a few things actually. For once, all right. Uh, one of which is the new Mitski album. It's called "Be the Cowboy." I haven't had a chance yet. I hear now, great things. Before I get to my opinion, uh, John Doran, who is the editor of enduring music website The Quietus, went on Twitter this week and had a bit of a rant. He said currently critically approved culture is all 6.2 none of it deserves best new music anyone hoping for a 7.8 even is fooling themselves Mitski Three Billboards The Shape of Water My Struggle Volume 13 Father John Misty all of it buffed to a shine all quite good I'm with them on some of it I think Three Billboards, Shape of Water, <laughs> Father John Misty. Yeah, we're getting to stage where perhaps... And we do live... Yeah, I think it's a little harsh, harsh on Father John Misty. Most recent album, primarily. I mean, like, it's more a case of, like... Yeah, like no, but we do... I mean, like, you look at the Ariana Grande album and, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like you're kind of like, is that is that really a five-star album? It isn't. However, I think Mitski is kind of unfairly lumped in. Don't get me wrong. I mean, she's flavour of the month for an awful lot of people at the moment. However, Be The Cowboys is a fucking great record. And, you know, she has been... She's getting the James Blake thing. People are kind of like now looking to her as this kind of like heartbreak maven. Like she like does it like no one else. And ultimately, I'm sure, you know, she's healthy enough in her life. Someone actually tweeted at her and was like, is everything okay at home? And she quote tweeted that person and went, on the range, you mean? Which I thought was a kind of a nice little nod. Because this does feel like a bit of a country bop album. I mean, uh, the previous album, Puberty 2, felt like it was all recorded in kind of a studio apartment. This feels like it's a bit more expansive. And she has an incredible mixture of the melancholy and the momentum. I mean, her tracks move. They're not boxed in. You don't feel like you're suffocating. She manages to have a wry sideways glance while, yeah, admittedly dealing in some very fucking heavy subjects. Uh, I think she's a star. I think this is a great album. Craig, I know yeah, you Yeah, I've been listening to yeah. it as well. I think it's one of the albums of the year. 
Um, I like how short the songs are as well. Oh, they're so short. Yeah, it's great. It remi- no, but it reminds me of because she switches it up so much on this, which I love. But it's um, you're kind of flitting between it, it, it kind of leaves you slightly breathless at times. Uh, and it reminded me it's not quite in the same league, but of like a Bowie's low thing where there's lots of experimentation, but they're packaged in these kind of very digestible kind of two and a half minute close to pop songs. Um, and it's really working for me. I think she's great. Also, I mean, like the closing track to Slow Dancers is one of the songs of the year. She's playing the Tivoli next month and I hope that song literally brings that building down. I've also been listening to The Walkman's You and Me, which is 10 years old. Mm, and scary. holy Not shit. Not nine and a half. No, it's 10 years old. It <laughs> turned be the right time. It turned 10 at the weekend and it's a fucking incredible album. Very Christmassy as Dave Higgins pointed out, but it is absolutely stunning. Yeah. And lastly, uh, 23 Prince albums uh, have mysteriously appeared on digital streaming platforms. Uh, no shady business whatsoever from the Prince estate. I can't say I agree with his uh, family behaving like vultures. However, it is wonderful to have a banger like Black Sweat back in our lives because that is a... St- Stomper of a pop song. Yeah, now it's been mis- Mitski for me pretty much all the week. I've had almost nothing on the stereo, to be honest. And what has been on the stereo has been when the Norwegians in my house uh. got overexcited and played Britney. Oh, you yeah. You didn't get around that gig the other night. I think it was what you expect. A lot of Las Vegas razzmatazz. Um, very little singing. M- miming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard very mixed reports and I heard some very bad reports. A lot of people, a lot of the stands out there saying it ain't good. Jane Gannon wrote a really good review in the Irish Times and just kind of said, I'm, I'm not buying it. By all accounts, it depends what you went in there expecting. And yeah, I think so. Expectations were low. Well, what's the feeling that she's like phoning it in these days, or a little bit that it's yeah. over? She should retire and just be happy. Like people, like, I think her fans want her to stop doing this. Like it's it's become a bit of a robotic thing. Yeah, yeah. that's what the gauge I've gotten. There are other reviews that say the opposite. Again, people saying she seems totally in control and having a great time. Who knows? I don't think I, I, three of us would have been necessarily no going I, for that analytics. You listen, know? and what's more, I think. Uh, Funny, going back to Ariana and that idea, I think for a lot of people, it, it's just the fact that she's celebrating and yeah. uh, doing a gig at this stage of her career, that's uh, that's actually worth sort of paying attention to. Oh, lovely marking, sentiment so. there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let's end there. We will. And before we go, a reminder that our next show is at Electric Picnic, so won't be dropping into your podcast feeds till probably the Monday after Picnic, so mm-hmm. a bit of a little bit of a break. And Craig gets a bit of a break too, because you're off doing your dissertation. I, it won't feel like a break to me, mate. This <laughs> is this is my break. As I say, keep an eye on the No Encore Twitter account and at Henry Dave on Twitter for any updates that we have about playing Electric Picnic. Please come to our show if you're there for the weekend. We're on Sunday afternoon, the podcast tent in the minefield. Come hang out with us. To close us out this week, our very special guest, Saint Sister. We talked about it enough. The song is called Twin Peaks. Do go see them ahead of their, or when, rather, when their Olympic Theatre gig rolls around in October because they're fucking great. And thanks again for coming in. This song is awesome. It's called Twin Peaks by Saint Sister. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Good night.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrating July 4th with a cookout? That's fun. Celebrating July 4th with the best cookout on the block? That's wise. And Wise Markets, we've got all your Independence Day essentials. From certified Angus beef to party trays, snacks, desserts, and everything in between. You'll find exactly what you need to make your celebration a blast. Stop by a Wise Market today. Eat better. Spend less. That's wise. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.